Hello and welcome back to Let the Stone Speak. I'm Brent Nachtigal, your host here in Jerusalem, Israel. We just completed the 2023 season of our OFL excavations. These are excavations sponsored by the Armstrong Institute in collaboration with Hebrew University. And in the final days of the excavation, we made quite a dramatic discovery. And if you've been following our excavation, you'll know that we were blogging uh, each, uh, each significant find or most of the significant finds. Uh, this one didn't quite make it to the blog until after the season ended, and I thought it was so significant that, that we would play for you for today's episode of Let the Stones Speak, the interview I did with Dr. Orit Peleg Barkat. She is the expert on this specific discovery uh, in the world, and so it's with great pleasure that she was also the co-director of the excavation this year as well, which made her uh, excavation season uh, quite wonderful for her to make this discovery. So please enjoy this interview uh, straight from the Ophel here in Jerusalem with Dr. Orit Peleg Barkat. Welcome back to the Ophel Excavations. I'm here with Dr. Orit Peleg Barkat. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's my pleasure. I'm sure it is your pleasure because you're here to discuss just a really important uh, discovery from just yesterday and the final was it three days before the excavation season Yeah, it ended. always happens that you find the most interesting stuff just on the last day when you're cleaning in, uh, the area for the photo shooting. And indeed, uh, this marvelous uh, piece was found yesterday. Uh, when cleaning down a Byzantine period wall. Uh, mm -hmm. So this stone was incorporated in secondary use into that wall. But uh, as you can see, it is uh, exquisitely decorated and it dates back to uh, the time of King Herod, to the late uh, Second Temple period. So we're going back 2,000 years and obviously people can see the um, the rosettes or the, the flower designs here on it. What is this though? How, where did it belong before we start talking about maybe some more of the detail? Okay, so this piece, uh, it's not a, um, a cornice, it's not a frieze, it's a, actually it's a ceiling. Mm -hmm. So this is the decorated, what we call soffit. So you need to imagine that it stands right above our heads and you're looking up in order to see it. Okay. Uh, and in the late Hellenistic but mostly early Roman period they started to have these ceilings uh, that were divided into geometrical uh, panels, um, rectangulars, diamond shapes, circles, uh, tr uh, triangles, uh, all kinds of um, uh, panels uh, with this very typical border and inside those panels there were so in the Roman world, you would find also mythological uh, scenes and other animals, uh, human beings, but also flowers. Mm -hmm. uh, and here in the early Roman period, actually already before from the Asmoneans onward, there is an abstention from depicting human figures. Mm -hmm. So we have normally just floral and geometric designs. And so this is on the ceiling. Um, it was found in secondary use, as you were yes. saying, inside a Byzantine period wall. So maybe like four or five hundred years after this was actually constructed. Um, and so the speak about the location in which the general area uh, where we are, the excavations and this general area and what was happening at the time here 
for the building that this could have belonged to. Okay, so this is one of the nicest pieces that we have found, but uh, along the various expedition that worked here at the Ophel, south of the Temple Mount, uh, more than 200 sorry, fragments mm -hmm. of such decorated ceilings from the early Roman period uh, were found. And they were found either at the collapse right below the southern wall of the Temple Mount or at the southern part of the western wall. Mm -hmm. But mostly they were found incorporated into later walls, mostly from the Byzantine and Umayyad So nothing's uh, been found? So nothing was found in situ, okay. unfortunately. Mm -hmm. The only in situ decorated ceiling that we have from this area is not a straight um, flat um, ceiling as we see here, but uh, we have domes, shallow domes that decorate the vestibule uh, behind the double gate. Uh, so there was a passageway going up from the double gate uh, to the platform surrounding the temple area. So you have actually joined the excavation or the expedition this season yes. as the co-director. Last, uh, last year you weren't with us, um, but you know, you, you, you're not fresh to this area, you're not new to this area because you've studied this area perhaps more than anyone regarding this very thing, correct? Uh, yes, yeah, so I feel this is my second home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, as a young student, uh, already in my undergraduate studies, I joined uh, Dr. Ilat Mazal uh, when she started her immense project of publishing her grandfather's excavations here. Who excavated here back in the 70s mainly? Yes, uh, between 67, 68 and uh, 78. Um, so I started just uh, working on technical things uh, so, since there has been a long period between the end of the season, uh, the excavations, and the time that we started uh, working on the publication. Some of the finds were, you know, were out of the boxes, so we had to sort them uh, out. Uh, but then slowly I started to help a lot with uh, the uh, description of the, of the structures, the stratigraphy, the architecture, published some pottery, uh, and uh, luckily she's she thought I was okay. <laughs> <laughs> so gradually I, I got uh, like more uh, important um, assemblages to publish. Mm -hmm. And eventually for my PhD, a lot allowed me to work on the most important <laughs> part of the, or one of the most, uh, um, surely the nicest assemblage from the excavation, and that is the 500 fragments of architectural elements mm -hmm. uh, from the early so Roman bits period. Of, bits of building from the early Roman period, yes. which is when this whole area experienced just a transformation, I guess Exactly, yeah. Uh, when uh, the Temple Mount was expanded southward and new streets, new entrances, uh, ga uh, gates, uh, staircases, uh, all of this was uh, uh, being uh, built in this area. Mm -hmm. uh, and. Uh, I mean, I've studied also for publication finds from Herod's palaces at uh, Jericho and Herodium and other places, uh, but surely you can see from the from the architecture decoration that 
um, the the best artists and uh, probably also much more funding was invested in this area. So this was the crown um, crown project of King Herod. Perhaps we can talk a little bit about um, your how you would describe some of these uh, images or motifs on there. How would you? Um, there's obviously variants between them. They're not all the same. These were crafted by a single person is crafting each one of these and trying to replicate them or how do you think uh, they were crafted? Okay, so first of all um, in terms of um, like the style of the Herodian um, architecture fragments or Herodian art uh, we have to remember as I said before that from the Asmonean onwards, uh, they, there was an abstention and uh, like Jewish norm was not to depict human figures right. nor animals. Mm -hmm. But also, it, like this went uh, one step uh, further in that, that they even didn't try to create something that is three-dimensional. Okay. So everything was just, uh, like everything here is very delicate. Mm -hmm. It's very high quality very accurate, everything is done probably with a compass, with a ruler. Mm -hmm. um, the artists that uh, were responsible for creating this knew what they were doing, but they were not trying to create here like um, an image of a real flower. Okay. So um, we, because we never see a flower or Rarely do we see a flower from profile. Always we see the flower from above, from top. Okay. So we call them rosettes. Uh, they are all different. Uh, since uh, this is such a limited repertoire, only uh, floral motifs and geometrical patterns, then they tried not to repeat themselves. So they try to have each flower look a little bit different. These two seem quite similar, mm -hmm. but otherwise uh, they try not to uh, make them all similar because then it's, it's a bit boring. Mm -hmm. um, but you cannot really, you know, uh, have a botanic identification. So this is that uh, flower okay. and this is... A it's more of a generic... Uh, exactly. It's more of a, like a form, like artistic formula. Representation of, of, of what they think. Yeah, yeah. just general flower. So, where did it come from? Do you have any thoughts? We're excavating, obviously we're trying to get down to an area D, a monumental structure from the period of the, this, of, yeah. of when this was in a building. Um, obviously, we don't know where it came from. It's close to that. It's on top of that. Is this, is this too grand for the building that we have? Or is it well, from, what, we what's, your yeah. what's your opinion? Well, we will have to, to wait and see. Uh, we still, we only have the facade of the building, which is very promising. It's right. Ashlow built, very massive, wide entrances. So, uh, like, uh, it, uh, you can't rule out that this could come from a soft, like this could be the soffit of just the, the lintel. Like of one of the, yeah, of one of the doorways, uh, but this is very hard to say. So since we have so many fragments of these, clearly at least some of them, and some of them were found really in the collapse. So at least some of them come from the, the temple. From the temple Mount. Yeah, some of them come from the Temple Mount uh, itself. 
Mm -hmm. uh, since they are very heavy, they right. could not have uh, roofed a, a large building. So they usually such ceilings come from small rooms, like three meters wide at the most, or a little bit more, but not more than that, because otherwise then the stones would crack mm -hmm. uh, and break. So they could come from entranceways, from the gates to the Temple Mount, either from Rob the gates of above Robinson's Arch, maybe from the form. We don't know how. So we have the, the passageway below the double gate, but we don't have the original passageway of the triple gate. Mm -hmm. Uh, was it also roofed with domes? Which is very close to it. Yeah, right. which is just a uh, few dozen meters uh, to the uh, northwest of us. So it could have come from those entranceways. It could have come from uh, stairwells at the towers and the, right. co the corners of the, of the Temple Mount. And it could have come from uh, smaller rooms within the royal portico or, uh, that stood at the southern flank of the Temple Mount or just uh, at the edges. Right. Um, so, yeah, so we have similar uh, such um, ceilings uh, in other buildings, mostly connected with uh, Temene or cultic um, centers but not in, in Judea. Okay. So uh, in Herod's palaces or in nice buildings in Petra, uh, we have similar uh, ceilings, but they are made of plaster. Right. So they are much more light, light and easily it. made and of course much cheaper. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but in Jerusalem and just uh, like, we have smaller sections of ceilings in some of the tombs in the necropolis of early Roman Jerusalem, but not these grands. Uh, and we have se several, like, few uh, examples in the upper city, mm -hmm. but they may have come from here. Right. Uh, otherwise, the, the only assemblage that we have is here, and there are a few that were found north of the Temple Mount, that, uh, like in the pool of uh, Bethesda, mm -hmm. near St. Anna right. uh, Church. And there are a couple more that are housed now in the Franciscan Museum that also are said to have come from the northern area of the Temple Mount. Mm -hmm. So we should imagine maybe they come from other gates or from the towers or from the Antonia Citadel or mm -hmm. somewhere close. But these mark the, the Temple Mount area. So just finally, I mean, we all like to hear about how it, this rates compared to others. Is this the, mo like the most complete uh, version in the whole Ophel area that's ever been discovered, um, as far as what you can recall? So we have larger pieces. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the largest is now exhibited in the Tower of David and okay. the museum near Jaffa Gate. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is clearly not the largest, but it has the, m the greatest number of uh, panels. Okay. So, and this is important because uh, since they are all made of different shapes, it is very hard to reconstruct them. Mm -hmm. So I, I have almost 100 fragments of just borders. Okay. Sometimes they, I have the meeting uh -huh. point, sometimes I have just the border. 
so it is impossible to, to reconstruct the, the entire ceiling. Mm -hmm. uh, but once I have this pattern, I can, you know, uh, replicate it, replicate it and, and try to reconstruct the, the, the entire ceiling. Uh, so this is really important. So this is going to go from the site, if we can get it to Hebrew University, I'm sure yes. that's where it's going to go, <laughs> maybe to your office. Uh, I'm not sure <laughs> I have proof for this, yeah, but to the laboratory. And then it's going to be studied and you're going to go about in the future sometime sure. seeing what you can make out of it. Yeah, of course. Great. Well, thank you very much for your time. I'm glad we you're have welcome. the expert on site here on the dig. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was worth coming. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> thank you. Welcome. Thank you very much for watching the interview with Dr. Orit Palag Barkat. Thank you very much for her. It's a pleasure to work with her this season. Looking forward to next season as well. If you like what you saw today and you want to see more interviews regarding biblical archaeology and archaeology here in general in Israel and also biblical history, then please don't forget to subscribe to the channel and hit the bell not notification as well to make sure you're notified when we have a new video. We'd also like you to sign up for our free biblical archaeology magazine. This is called Let the Stone Speak as well. We've almost got 10,000 subscribers world worldwide, which is quite exciting. Um, you can join those people, subscribe to the magazine. It's free. It comes out again six times per year. It's 40 pages. And we'll send you a hard copy of the magazine wherever you are in the world. To do so, simply go to our website, armstronginstitute.org, and you'll find a place on the front page if you scroll down where you can sign up for the magazine, or you can simply write an email to letters at armstronginstitute.org, and that'll reach me, and we'll make sure that you start receiving your free subscription to Let the Stone Speak.